Situated in an isolated cabin in the mountains of Colorado, a writer is putting the final touches on their latest novel. A novel which will allow them to pivot their career in a more sophisticated realm of literature. On the way to meet his agent with the final work, he loses control of his vehicle and is sent spiraling off the mountainside, breaking both of his legs and several injuries. Now a stranger, by the grace of God, happens to walk by and witness the accident. Pulling him from the vehicle, bringing them to safety, the stranger begins to nurse the rider back to health. A wave of relief crosses through the rider's bones. But what if this stranger turns out to be a fan of the author? And what if they don't like the recent move the author has made into the serious realm of literature? Will this remote mountain cabin be his sanctuary back to health or his torturous prison? This is It Records. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, one of your hosts, as always, Matt Johnson. And this week, we're going to be doing the 1990 horror film, Misery. And this week, I'm joined by always the magnanimous, the the handsome, the fantastic Peter Hansen. So glad to have you here, Peter. <laughs> glad, glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always like to set you up, but I got a special surprise to everyone this week. We have a third host with a third host with us this week it's the first time we're branching out from the duo and this person has been behind the scenes from the beginning of it records i'd like to welcome lindsey clark everybody lindsey clark is here thank you yeah Yeah, it's good to have you um love to hear your insight and actually lindsey chose misery this week for us i did without further ado then if you haven't seen the movie Misery, um, which I recommend you do. It's been, you know, about 26 years. Um, it follows a famous author who's rescued from a car crash by a fan of his novels, and he comes to realize that the care he is receiving is only the beginning of a nightmare of captivity and abuse. If you could get that from my uh, monologue I started the show with. It's also based on the 1987 Stephen King novel of the same name. Directed by, surprising for me, I don't know what you guys thought, uh, Rob Reiner? Yeah. That, I mean, I've I've seen parts of this movie before, and that still blew me away that he was the director. Yeah, I think he, just based off what I saw in Misery, I think he has a really good taste for psychological, like, thriller type of movies, and I would would have Mm -hmm. wanted to see more of that from him. Yeah, because when I think of him, I think of more, like, I don't, yeah, that's perfect. Like more lighthearted movies. Um, so it's very interesting to get his perspective on a horror film. Mm-hmm. So Pete, what do you think of Rob Reiner? I, uh, as I was saying before, I said I liked his brother. Now recent information is thrown to me. That's his father. And uh, he's a funny man. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, I don't really have a whole lot to say about Rob Reiner. <laughs> Besides that, oh, I didn't realize he did The Princess Bride. That's a great movie. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that either. He also did uh, Stand By Me, which is like my all-time favorite. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, and another Stephen this is, King? This is Spinal Taps, <laughs> another favorite one. Yeah, um, interesting about that, um, Stephen King was like really hesitant like in the making of this movie to do another adaptation because he thought other directors besides Reiner um, didn't do justice to his films. So he only was going to do it if Reiner would be the director. 
um, which seemed weird because Kubrick did The Shining to me, and I thought The Shining was pretty good. He hated Kubrick's The Shining. I know, but it's that seems crazy to me. But I, I, I thought he liked Carrie when it came out. Um, I'm not. I don't. I don't know for sure. I'll. I'll get on the horn with Steven and see what yeah. he thought. I mean, he uh, was at co- he was on coke at the time, so he probably doesn't remember. Yeah, he also wrote Maximum Overdrive on coke, but maybe we'll watch that movie another time. It's a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with Misery, 1990, Stephen King adaptation, as we said, uh, William Goldman did the screenplay. If you guys don't know him, if he's not a household name, um, he did. Uh, he wrote the Princess Bride. Um, uh, screenplay as well as uh, Bush Cassie and the Sundance Kid and all the President's Men, which are fairly popular. And then something else that stuck out to me was uh, what is it? Barry Sonnenfield was uh, yeah. the producer for or cinematography for this one, and he yeah, did, like Men in Black, <laughs> all the Men in Blacks and the Adams Family movies, mm-hmm. and uh, don't forget about Wild Wild West. <laughs> oh yeah, Wild Wild West. That's correct. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> they went all out for this movie. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's the setup. Um, you got James Caan, uh, Kathy Bates, and uh, Lauren Bacall in the film. So that's the setup. I say we go get right into this plot and talk about the horror significance of misery. Right. Where where do you want to begin? There's there's so much to tell. Yeah, I know. Um, I gotta say, I mean, there's like the opening shot is it's very it's very still and it's James Caan. He's he's the author, and he's writing. We see him writing some novel. Um, it's very it seems very intimate, and he like he finishes it and he lights his cigarette and the champagne, and then it goes straight into him driving down this mountainside, snowing with shotgun playing by Jimmy Walker, and I was hooked. I was in. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> How long, how long has it been for everyone since they've seen this movie? Because I feel like we've all seen it before. I meant to see it before, but uh, I actually haven't ever watched it before. I've had the movie timer. for like well, 10 years. <laughs> yeah, never watched it. So I figured yeah. now is as good a time as any. I actually yeah, bought no. it. Since, uh, Did you? Yeah, it was five bucks. It was a Halloween deal. Oh, that's a steal. Oh, nice. It was, uh, I streamed that thing on Amazon for free, so, yeah. You know, thing, things that um. I stream in? <laughs> um, for, for me seeing this, it's probably been, oh, God, I'm not that, probably like six years or so, I mean, mm-hmm. like close to high school, um, for me, yeah, it's been a long time since I've like sat down and watched it. Otherwise, I've seen it like on TV in October or something. Just like flip, flip through it and seen parts of it. Like Fright Fest going on in AMC or something. Yeah, and I see it and I go, "Oh, sweet!" Or it'd be on uh, Freeform, formerly known as ABC Family. And yeah. So what about I you, have Pete? a, th- I oh, uh, yeah. It's been at least three years, but I have I I've just thought of a theory right now that you said talking about the beginning where he gets into the accident spoiler alert for five minutes into the movie probably not even that um you know if 
Do you think Kathleen Bates the craziest person on film? Probably. <laughs> uh, booby trapped <laughs> the road to cause him to crash. That is a really good question. Um, my, my initially like watching it the first like five minutes of the movie, I don't think it. But like as the movie progresses and you learn more about the character, I I'm I'm willing to posit yeah she. She was behind something. Because um, she said she would stake him, stake him out for like, because she knew his whole routine. And was like, yeah, I was like watching mm-hmm. you and I just wanted to imagine what it was like going on in there. And I was like, did you just like fucking put some water on the road and make it super slick or something? And like orchestrate this whole thing. I would not put it past her. No way. Yeah. And especially since she's like his number one fan and she lives so close to where he goes to write his books. It just seems like mm-hmm. she, she had to have been behind it. Yeah, that was just like... And she's her. right there. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was my big my big theory of the movie. <laughs> no, it's good. Um, but also, talking about Kathy Bates. A- Annie, right? Annie's yeah, her name? Annie Wilkes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and just what I was kind of mentioning about how I, I believe this watching how the movie progressed that she was behind it somewhat. I thought she did a, a tremendous job of like really seeming like that the person who was out to help, like this nurse, and um, really flipping very subtly between like this crazed, demented person and this person you almost feel sorry for. I don't know if you felt that watching her performance. She won an Academy Award. That's true. For this role. And I was like, like, at first I was like, really? Like, you know, because, you know, horror film, they don't get too many of those. And then, like, I was like kind of looking at the competition and, you know, not an apologist here, but there's not too many options. But not to take away from from Kathy Bates, because she did hell of a job, but there wasn't too much to, like, overthrown her that year. Oh, you looked at the category Yeah, it was like... I'm, I like totally lost it actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's see if I can mm-hmm. find it. Keep talking. <laughs> I'll try and find it. Yeah. I think that, I mean, she won best actress for that, that role. And that's the first and only Stephen King Oscar, I believe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause the shining, I don't think got any, I... which will be like the only other one to, to really be contending. That's true. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just found it. No, but I think... Uh, yeah. Do you want to hear the other choices for Best Actress that year? Yeah, let's hear it. So, wait, 1990? 1990, yeah. Oh. Okay, I'm not even going to pause it a guess. Just go. <laughs> I was going to try. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Angelica Houston in The Grifters, Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman, Mel Streep in Postcards from the Edge, and Joan Woodward from... Mr. and Mrs. Bridge. Okay. So I would have guessed Meryl Streep. For, just a, It's a shot in the dark, Meryl Streep. Because of how many times she's won. Yeah. That's it. Um, speaking of Julia Roberts, that she was nominated that same year as Kathy Bates, um, there was a Broadway play made of Misery. I don't know if you guys looked into that uh, after the movie. And Julia Roberts played Annie's character. No kidding. Wait, what? 
Yeah, the more you know. They after the movie came out, um, and it had it was critically a success. Um, they made a Broadway play of it, and Julia Roberts played the. I believe it's yeah. Julia Roberts played Annie in that Broadway play. So this was like still in the early nineties. Um. Yeah. Let me double check that date, but yeah, it would have been after nineteen ninety. So I'm guessing pretty soon after. That'd be really interesting. I probably. I'm assuming. 91, 92 at least. Okay. Yeah. Because that makes sense for Rob Reiner because it wasn't A Few Good Men. Wasn't that like a play too? Yeah, it was a play first though. A play first and then the movie. Oh yeah, that's true. Written by Aaron Sorkin and that was his breakthrough. Oh, nice. I got all bits of trivia all on that. This yeah, you... spurred him out. There's probably a, <laughs> a bunch for this movie. I bet, yeah. So, does anyone have any theories on what happened to... So, I feel like we're just kind of jumping all around. Is everyone mm-hmm. okay with that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm cool. What ha- so, we find out way later in the film, because basically Kathy Bates is just fucking crazy as Annie Wilkes, because the character is very, you know, the dragon lady. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And is that reputation? Do you think so? She killed her husband, right? And all, but we don't know why. Right. I'm assuming I wasn't totally clear. Because she just said that her husband left her, and then mm-hmm. we see like in the newspaper clippings, like I don't know, seventy-five percent into the movie that she like basically killed a whole bunch of newborns, like a yeah. crazy person, and has killed. And and I know in the book it's like she killed like a, over a hundred people, apparently. Yeah. But in the book you kind of get like how many people did she kill? As the head nurse of like a hospital. Yeah. Of like a a children's ward too. Yeah. Um. I have a question for you guys. Um. Just basically on this is a horror podcast. We're talking horror. Um. The movie, it takes place basically in this house that Annie has, and she's says she's helping the author back to health, but she's really kind of keeping him there to write this novel because she loves the books. Um, but it also f- flips back to a sheriff in town a lot, um, basically trying to find out what happened to the author. I was wondering, when it goes to him, which is basically the only other person it goes to, does it sort of take you out of that ice, that like really confined space um, that you felt any sort of tension and would you rather just stayed with Annie and Paul, the author, or did it really affect you at all that it went off to like this kind of murder mystery type story? That is a really good question. Um, I don't know. Lindsay, you got any thoughts on that? Um, I think it was a good plot device to have that outside uh perspective like nobody knows what happened to you know he's presumed to be dead and you know uh i think that having you know kind of the investigation happening outside was good for the viewer and uh the more i was watching him essentially being trapped in this house like the more like he's a very like his character is just very reactionary and uh so it was good to see some action happening outside of you know Annie's house, if that makes any sense at all. No, that definitely does, and I, I didn't really think of it that way. 
um, it's like you said he's reactionary, which he 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 is, and he's like really passive. So like it's really Annie driving any sort of action in their scenes. Right. So yeah, it is good to see like um, the sheriff's portion of it. Which Buster's his name, right? Yes. Buster, yeah. Um, yeah, it was good because I, I also did feel for him when spoiler alert, um, he bites the dust. Yes. I feel like he was like a comic relief too in the movie. The, the and relationship his life, between him and his interactions, wife. I thought were really funny. Yeah, I did too. I feel like this I, movie, it is definitely like by genre definition a thriller, but it definitely has some humor mixed in as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that helps with any sort of like uh, uncomfortableness you have. You just need that sort of relief for a second. Um, they they were a good part of that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. That it was like a nice like break to kind of like get you more amped up when you saw James Con again with Kathy Bates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. It recharged you a little bit. I actually read that uh, Stephen King said that um, the character of Annie Wilkes was like used as a metaphor for drugs because he was having a substance abuse problem at the time when he was writing it, and like kind of you know how she keeps saying like i'm your number one fan you know that's kind of like how his relationship with substance abuse was and he was quoted as saying that so i thought that was really interesting that is really good i didn't even thought about that i didn't either yeah but it makes sense yeah it does oh yeah you're sort of held captive that you're prisoner to your addiction Uh uh-huh and I feel like, um, you know, she's so obsessed with his books, in particular, like, the Misery series, and, you know, I feel like that character, you know, he ends up, you know, killing this character at the end of the series in order to focus on writing some other kinds of books, and uh, she just, like, loses it, because this character is, like, a sense of comfort for her. She identifies with this character, and then for her, for him to, you know, kind of end it that way like you just see like the ups and downs of her personality the way she reacts to that which was just so like perfectly like executed by Kathy Bates no I agree um, 100% that like that puts a whole new perspective on the film for me I, I, I'd like to watch it again with knowing that in mind yeah it's definitely like a multi-view movie, movie where you just find out like great information from different characters because i feel like even though stephen king's characters are kind of like he always has like the same kind of archetypes they're still like interesting to watch and like old timey and kind of like bring you back to like a scary time that he like invokes with his problems in his life and his like childhood i feel like he always brings up a lot Uh Mm -hmm. yeah i always I, i always find his language like dialogue with characters very interesting you said old timey, like cock a duty. <laughs> Isn't that what Annie says all the time? How can you not yeah. laugh when she says that? Yeah, and I was so like scared mis- when she was like, uh, like, like, oh, misery would never talk like. Or she was talking about the slum kids like swearing, and she was like mimicking them, and it's like people don't talk like that. And then she was like getting into it, and I was like, oh my god, Kathy Bates is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Definitely felt the same way when I uh, was watching that part. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it just shows you that in the middle of the country, you don't want to be there. You're safer in the city. <laughs> yeah. Where to the wise. You're safer where more people are. Um, was there anything that you guys saw about filming, like uh, framing or anything in particular that stood out to you, um, that elicited a certain feeling or generated like a certain emotion for you guys throughout the film in particular? Because I have a feeling. The only thing I really... <laughs> you do have... <laughs> I feel like actually the way it was like framed in the cinematography was it like, you know, I could see how they almost did it into a play because it did feel like one, like how it was shot. You know what I mean? Like it was like very small and like they're reduced to like basically one room the entire time besides you went to the sheriff. Like it just yeah. feels like though if there was a play, those would just be right next to each other and then the black like curtains will fall down on the side so you wouldn't see the other characters yeah mm. that's good yeah that's true it felt very confined in that sense which is i'm sure what they were going for um but like to go along with that um i like the way they used a lot of close-ups and like really uh upshot close-ups especially on kathy bates and then downshot close-ups on Khan. they really like uh amplified her like mood swings Ooh. I thought that was good. It almost made it feel like a fever dream for him, almost. Like, it was surreal. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, mm-hmm. like, there'd be, like, wide shots where she was all chipper and happy, and it's just feel, it just feel like a warm, cozy cabin, and then, boom, you'd see her from below and freak me out. <laughs> yeah, that's an awesome point. Especially when she came in in the night, and she learned that Misery in the book was being killed off. And she had her... Her fit. Spoiler alert for Misery, the book. Yeah. <laughs> and then she goes so far as to make him burn his manuscript for that uh, she didn't like. And that was painful to watch, to have to watch him do that. Uh, I agree 100%. That was like, that was rough. Like, don't do it. Don't do it. <gasps> don't, don't burn it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, where, where does she have the audacity <laughs> to ask of that? She's in the m- middle of fucking nowhere. Not, I mean, I don't even know what the hell she's doing before she's killing people. Yeah. Like, farming? I don't know. I, I, I Probably not even that. Yeah. <laughs> well, she she has a pig, so she might have some some livestock. True. Um, what did you guys think I, of the pig? How'd you like how she... God, I was just gonna fucking ask that. <laughs> I was like gonna say like uh how she interacted with the pig and like how she would like kinda talk like 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 with her nose or whatever. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, he, like and he like James Khan was just not at all enthused, but he's like, get this fucking pig out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> like such with an, a New York glare, he's like, What's this fucking filth doing here? <laughs> I have to admit I was impressed with uh, his character's like ability, like to play along at certain points. Like, I don't think I could have uh, managed to go along. Like, I don't know. He he definitely, like, went along with some things just to appease her in order, with an effort to try to get out of the house, which didn't work for the, for the most part. Yeah. Especially with the scene that was most heartbreaking of all when he finally, like, was able to crush up those um. pills that um, we never really found out what they were, but they kind of put them like in a comatose situation, and he put it in her wine, 
and then she knocked the wine over because like the candle like set her hand on fire or some shit like that and then the look on his face was just like absolutely this like misery (laughs) pure like disappointment okay so i think one thing we haven't talked about which i think people who haven't even seen misery know is the hobbling scene i think we need to address it and pete do you have a a clip of that yeah i'm just gonna you know we can't do it justice we're just gonna let the audio play for the clip and you guys get to be grossed out by the sounds of creaking bones and James Kahn's scream. Paul. So if you'd like me to stay and play tomorrow for you, I'd love I know you've been out. What? You've been out of your room. No, I haven't. Paul. My little ceramic penguin in the study always faces due south. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Ceramic penguin. Is this what you're looking for? I know you've been out twice, Paul. First, I couldn't figure out how you did it. But last night, I found your key. I know I left my scrapbook out. I can imagine what you might be thinking of me. But you see, Paul, it's all okay. Last night it came so clear. I realized you just need more time. Eventually, you'll come to accept the idea of being here. Paul, do you know about the early days of the Kimberly diamond mines? Do you know what they did to the native workers who stole diamonds? Don't worry, they didn't kill them. That would be like junking a Mercedes just because it had a broken spring. No, if they caught them, they had to make sure they could go on working. But they also had to make sure they could never run away. The operation was called hobbling. Danny, whatever you think I'm not doing, please don't do it. Any for God. Shh, darling. Trust me. God's sake. It's for the best. Penny, please! Almost done. Just one more. God, I love you. And, uh, yeah, we're back, everyone, with the... Does everyone ankles hurt and oh. glad that you you could walk <laughs> yeah it pains me to even hear it i mean it's still knowing it's coming and watching it, it's still cringeworthy that that scene absolutely it's it's still one of the i found one of the the rankings that one of the rated the 12th scariest scenes in in horror film history I don't know what one, one through eleven are, but like, how does it that get much worse? Yeah, right. <laughs> I think with a lot of those, they're like they're like less like graphic. They're more just like really just like make you feel for the character. Those kind of lists mm-hmm. because like that one is like as we kind of talked about before the recording is that they changed it for the movie because in the book Annie chopped his leg off with an 
I mean, his feet off with an axe, which is definitely way more intense and more graphic. And I, I would say, actually, I prefer the movie version better because I feel like, I don't know, for some reason it kind of encapsulated like more of a, God, this is so fucked, instead of like a more gruesome take on it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it kind of just goes with the overall feel that the movie had prior to that and after it. It kind of just was a smooth take to it instead of a gore aspect, as you said. Yeah, that's a good point as well. Now, not to get... Um, I guess we've spoiled quite a bit, but I'll just say spoiler alerts again. What did you guys think of the ending um, I'm talking the 18 months later part. Oh, like the success of his book, and then he like kind of sees Annie off in the distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I I just feel like it's a very, it's it feels very Stephen King, and like I feel like there's a lot like I don't even know what I mean by I say that, but it just I could just tell that it's him. <laughs> <laughs> um, he like almost gets to reflect about everything that's happened to him. You know, it happened at the end of Stand By Me. I'm sure it happened at other books. Cujo, I think, yeah, kind of sh- has that kind of situation, too. Yeah. I feel like The Shining kind of ends like that, too. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, it does. On, <laughs> on, yeah, on Nicholson's picture. It kind of leaves you in this ambiguity uh, sort of feeling. Um, but I, I, I overall generally like the ending, um, just because I... You kind of know he's out of that scenario that he was in. He's out of the cabin. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, I just thought it was a, a good idea that basically that horror is going to follow him the rest of his life because there's always going to be fans, whether they're crazy like her, they're going to go, hey, I love your work. And he, he's just going to immediately go to this person wants to kill me. And and he can't ever have a, a normal, peaceful thought anymore about his work. Yeah. So, like, his work is torturous to him. Yeah, those days are over. Like, we're, uh... Where he's not gonna be able to escape, kind of, the memory and, uh, everything that happened when Annie was alive. And he's gonna see her, just like he did, uh, see in that waitress her, you know? And, uh... Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no getting away from that. Ugh. Unfortunately not. So I have a I have a question for you guys. How how does Misery stack up to the the horror movies by Stephen King that you have in mind? You don't have to know them all because there's quite a bit. But how mm-hmm. how would you place Misery on that list? Hmm. Good question. Um. Well, I could remind you of a uh, couple I'll... too if that helps you. <laughs> well, I have a number one in mind, and it's not Misery, but Misery. Uh, is towards the top. I would say, for I would me, say two or three. Yeah, I was gonna say top five for sure. Like number one is Shining for me. I, I, if we're talking horror films, yeah, yeah, Shining's I mean, number one, and then maybe, maybe uh, Carrie, but Misery's yeah, maybe three. Can't forget about Christine too. Yeah. Oh yeah. And Dead Zone. If you've seen Dead Zone. Mhm. Mhm. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I mean, oh, sorry. What did you say, Matt? Oh no, I was, I was done. Lindsay, you got a. a place I haven't seen like any of those, to be honest with you. 
Oh really? We gotta we gotta we gotta make you watch him now. <laughs> well, I mean, Misery was a good first impression for me, so I'm definitely more interested in watching more of those classics like Carrie and The Shining. Yeah, they're worth the time. They're they're good. Yeah. Now, this is this isn't really a tangent, but the fog and the mist. Which one is him? Is he the fog? He's the mist. He's the mist. Okay, I always yeah. get it mixed up. Okay. Well, it. <laughs> The fog is the fog is is Carpenter, which is also confusing because Carpenter did Christine, which Christine's mm. is is a Stephen King. Stephen King, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of like back and forth, mm. and I kind of want to jump into our other segments. We got, I don't, sure. we, there's not too many sequels. I I don't think there's a sequel or a remake. I want to say they're they're thinking about a oh. remake, but I don't think that ever transpired into anything. Yeah, I don't think it necessarily needs to happen. I agree too. Yeah, I, I thought the. I mean, it's a good original. Don't I? Don't they, I mean they did it with Carrie, and I still enjoy the original Carrie more than the remake. Mm-hmm. I think it holds up on its own. When did Carrie the remake come out? Like two thousand eleven or twelve, I want to say. It was. It was cl- no. It was it was 2013. I thought, and it was like uh, the Hit Girl, you know, from uh, Kickass. Yeah, it was, was Chloe Chloe Grace Mortez played Carrie, and then Julianne Moore was her mother. Wow. Okay, I did not know that. <laughs> it's okay, but I, I think yeah, I was super was psyched for that remake when I heard that it was those two, and I was like, oh right, two great actresses. Let's see how this goes. Yeah. What did you think? And then. I never saw it, <laughs> oh. I, but I, cause I heard, cause I heard not so great things about it. So I just like never put the time into watching it. Mm. Did you see it, Matt? Yeah. I did see it. Um, I'd say uh, to watch it, it's not, it's not bad, but if you're comparing it to the original, the original I think is way better than the remake. I think Chloe Grace Mortez and Julianne Moore really carry the, the movie cause they're awesome. Um, there, um, there was, was one remake, remake that, that I found, found but, but it wasn't, wasn't an American, American remake. It was, it was a... uh, an Indian remake. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yep. I'm not surprised. I guess I shouldn't be surprised. I dug deep. <laughs> I would give um, that a go. <laughs> um, in, in some other trivia on, on the film, Paul Sheldon is the, is the author played by James Caan. He wasn't oh my God. the first... Sorry, I was going to bring up Paul Shelton too, like a little tidbit about him, but like, I want to I want you, I want to hear yours. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, he wasn't the first choice uh, for the role. There are actually some several huge names that weren't him. Um, this they is wanted... exactly what I was going to bring up. <laughs> oh, was it? Yeah, like yeah. Nichols... Nicholson was offered the role after The Shining to, to do uh, play Paul Sheldon. He turned it down. William Hurt got offered it twice, turned it down. Kevin Klein, Michael Douglas, Harrison Ford, Dustin Hoffman, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Gene Hackman, Robert Redford, and Richard Dreyfus, And then they got James Caan. <laughs> <laughs> wow, interesting. Yeah, so process all of those names in the role of Paul Sheldon. Man. I feel, man... <laughs> Al Pacino would be really funny. <laughs> yeah, him and De Niro would be the best, I think. 
But like, I just think, uh, uh, not, I just think, not I'm like, like P- hua, like Pacino does doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even do his voice. <laughs> That's pretty good, Serpico. <laughs> but yeah, everyone, do your best Pacino impersonation right now. <laughs> <laughs> that was mine. <laughs> Matt, Matt, I gotta hear yours, and Lindsay, you're next. Nah. All right. Okay. <laughs> Hoo-ah! Oh, that, that was pretty good. <laughs> Come on, Lindsay. We're all pressuring you to do it now. Let's move on. <laughs> but yeah, it would have been interesting to see, but uh... <laughs> peer pressure. Peer pressure. <laughs> uh, Not gonna happen. You, you don't have to do it. <laughs> No, it would have been interesting to see that Al Pacino or Jack Nicholson kind of brought to that role. But I really think that uh, James Caan, like, he just nailed it. No, I agree. I think, and even what I read from, like, reviews at the time is, like, this was, like, a, a pretty uh, pivotal role for him because he had been in a lot of, like, aggressive and, like, zany characters. And this is, like, a change of pace for him that kind of uh, reestablished his career. So good for James Caan. Yeah. Well, give it up for James Conn. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Let's give it up for James Conn, everybody. Um, uh, so this movie, we said it was critically successful. Um, what do you guys think the budget was on the 1990 Stephen King horror film? I got the numbers. My guess is probably not I, re- I already looked it up. <laughs> uh, Let's hear cheat. it. Do you have a guess, Lindsay? Oh, no. Just no. pretty low. Is what I'm guessing. It was a, a twenty million, which is oh, a, I'd say very high right. for for nineties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, I mean, it made it back sixty one point three million in the box office total. So all around, it killed it. Yeah, I think uh, everyone knows that. I will defend this movie and Matt you're going to destroy it right <laughs> like you destroy all the no. other ones no I'm going to I will defend this one I've destroyed only a few only a few I've destroyed <laughs> at least 50% you've destroyed uh, I would say like a, like a 40 45 40% <laughs> it's more like 49 49% <laughs> uh Lindsay uh I could take a guess for you but uh do you defend or do you destroy this movie? I'm gonna defend it. Yeah. I like this movie. I honestly like. It's very difficult sometimes for me to become like to be engaged with movies. Like if it's slow in the beginning, I get bored. I turn it off and I can't. Like there's no going back with this. I was instantly engaged, and uh, that doesn't happen a whole lot, honestly. <laughs> Not with me. So, uh, let's get two thumbs up for this one. Awesome. Unanimous defense. From a resounding team. recommendation. Yeah. Get out there and watch it today. One last, uh, just little trivia bit that I, I saw that I, it stuck with me cause I'm a shining fan. Um, uh, Kathy Bates character, Annie, she says something about, uh, there's a guy who went crazy in a hotel nearby. It oh. Was all, it, was, it was all in the news or whatever. Really? I didn't catch that. Uh, I, ner- I nerded out a bit. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So I thought that was a, a cool little uh, inside movie line. Huh. But yeah. Do you think the universes are connected, or is that just Stephen King being a little playful? <laughs> I think a little... I, uh, that'd be... I hope a little playful, because that's got to be hard for him to say that all of his books are in the same universe. He's written, like, be, that... <laughs> like, so many books. Like, ten books a year, I feel like. At least. He's he's the Woody Allen of writing books. I yeah. think that's a good yeah <laughs> title for him. The Woody, the Allen, Woody Allen books. <laughs> As in, he makes a lot of stuff not because he married his daughter. <laughs> yeah, definitely not that part. <laughs> Don't want to have any libel towards Stephen King. <laughs> Talented guy, though. Well, I think that wraps us up, everyone, right? Yeah, I think that does it for this week. Um, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, we had a great time, as always, in the It Records podcast. and It was great having Lindsay Clark uh, on the line to talk with us. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Oh. Oh, that's great. That's good to hear. We don't want you to hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I would have but, let you know. But until next time, you know, we got our website online. Check out our, our recent blogs. Peter's going to have stuff up there about his screenplay process, writing a horror film, and I'm going to have something up there soon. Check out our latest episodes, mini episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes. And we'll have a link on the website as well. Get on the forums. Let us know what you're thinking, um, what movies you want us to talk about or something we missed. Uh, we'd love to get feedback from you guys. For the latest news, look at the Facebook page and the Twitter, and uh, we'll be getting at you. But until next time, I'm Matt Johnson, and I'll remain in the shadows. I'm Peter Hansen, and I'm lurking right behind you. And I'm Lindsay Clark, and uh, I'm new here, so I don't really know yet. <laughs> <laughs>